next episode of Gym Class All-Stars. As always, we are brought to you by the Vigit Sports Betting app, where you can bet fake coins, win real prizes, download the app, use our promo code ALLSTARS. Guys, we apologize for almost almost a month-long absence at this point. Some technical difficulties, some scheduling conflicts. We actually recorded an episode and then unfortunately lost most of that episode in the extrapolation process. It was very unfortunate. Um, but we took some time. So we're going to revamp kind of how we do things here on the show a little bit. Not just going to bore you with the facts all day long. However, there's still a lot to get to today. As like I said, we have been absent for a couple of weeks here. So we are going to get down to it. March Madness, the most exciting time in the year for college basketball fans, has now come and gone. We apologize that we weren't able to break it down week by week for you. However, I do have the perfect bracket sitting here in front of me. And what a wild, wild year it was. Upsets all across the first round, including a 15 seed beating a, a team that had the National Player of the Year on it. Of that same 15 seed making history by going to the Elite Eight. That was the, the St. Peter's Peacocks. Also had a win on National Peacock Day. It was a Cinderella historic run. Um, but all came down to Blue Bloods in the end. Lots of one seeds went down early. Team of Destiny did pretty darn well, but wasn't necessarily able to rock it out. Let's start with them. Let's start with the Blue Devils, that Western portion. You're a huge Duke fan. Talk, talk us through it. It seemed too good to be true, and I just, when I saw them get matched up with UNC, my heart just gave out. For one, that's such a big rivalry game, and it always seems like the team that is not the better team will always step up and make it competitive. I got very concerned when I saw that matchup. The game was as awesome as a game as you could have asked for, real back and forth, you know, real tightly contested, wasn't a blowout, just back and forth the entire game. I think what it came down to was just the shooting of UNC was so prolific. And I mean, even at the end of the game, like tight neck and neck and UNC was hitting threes, but Duke was answering and even went ahead. Like you've always said and just made proclamations about, it came down to free throws Mm -hmm. and that upset me the most. Look, it's the most important thing in college basketball. The reason we don't see this happen in the NBA is because it is so much more of a certain thing that you're going to make your free throws in the NBA. There's only a a handful of players, and they're big men mostly, that aren't very good free throw shooters at that level. Even if you're a good free throw shooter in college, 80 90%, you're bound to miss one in a high-pressure situation. And if you're not consistently seeing them go in, you're not – your teammates aren't doing it. It's going to come back and bite you. That, like you said, is unfortunately what happened to Duke. Coach K saw his final run fall just a bit short, um, but excellent excitement. Paolo Boncaro looks to be the number – I think he slots in as number three right now in the NBA draft behind Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren. How, how do you think his play in the tournament affected where he's going to get drafted? We know he's going to be top three, but what, what are you thinking? It definitely solidified it. I, he is an NBA ready prospect. You have six foot nine, six foot ten guy who can dribble, handle the ball, and shoot like it's every NBA fan's wet dream. I it's I mean he's a great player. He's prolific. He's exciting. I think he, you know being so young, he's a freshman. He'll have to take some time to develop and you know 
like everything that a 19 year old does when they get to the NBA. I am still though a little surprised by Chet Holmgren being ahead of him though. Not to say he shouldn't be a top 10 pick, but it just I think he's a bit of a unicorn despite what people want to say about him, how prolific he could be. I I'm cautious about that one, but I think with a little bit of muscle and a little bit of time, like he can be something, but mm-hmm. you're also living yourself to the Porzingis effect. You have injuries because he's so tall and he's playing aggressive and it's a different style, but mm-hmm. just I'm excited about that fact. No, but, I agree. I actually think that Boncaro right now is the more NBA ready prospect in terms of, you know, like you mentioned, physical ability and presence. Um, I do think Holmgren has the higher ceiling just because of, you know, how tall he is and how well he can shoot. But you're right. You do have to watch out for that, that unicorn effect. The, yes, you're awesome when you play, but how often are you really playing issue? I also think for Holmgren rather than, than Paolo, he could fall into this. What position do I really end up playing? Am I too, cause he's a little too, you know, weak to be a center right now. He's a little too slow to be a small forward. So maybe he falls into that four situation right now. Um, but it's, it's all about the right system for him. You know, we're, we're, we're starting to, to see who's going to be towards the top of the NBA draft, but obviously there's no way to perfectly predict that with the lottery. Um, but, but Paolo, I see no matter where he goes, he's going to have immediate impact. And I think this tournament proved that because at times when this Duke team was struggling, he, even as a freshman, never really looked phased by the moment all that much. Um, you know, the loss to UNC really did, you know, was, was tough. He missed a couple shots at the end, but. I, I don't think any part of that loss was his fault at all. I actually think he did just about everything he could to, you know, rally the troops and, and win that one for, for Coach K. Duke does have a lot of other players potentially going in the first round, though. Mark Williams, the center, Jamie Roach, the point guard, a, uh, A.J. Griffin, the small forward, for sure going to be most, li- uh, most likely going to be a lottery pick, for sure, a first rounder. Uh, a couple other guys on that. Like, I mean, obviously with the Blue Bloods, you got to watch out for lots of guys in the draft, but Duke especially this year, not just Paolo being a top pick, but. So, yeah, Duke did come out of the West, but would eventually fall to UNC. So let's move down that way as the East was wild this year. That's where we saw St. Peter's upset uh, National Player of the Year, Oscar Shibway, and Kentucky in the 15-2 game. First, we thought, you know, we we here on Gym Class All-Stars never had faith in Baylor to win this portion of the bracket. We even had UNC beating them in in the second round. We kind of knew UNC was a, a loaded eight, uh, eight seed. But... They went out and proved that they probably should have been like a four or five seed when it really came down to it. They beat UCLA, who lots of people were high on after their run last year. They didn't, you know, you can say they got lucky with St. Peter's or not. St. Peter's was playing excellent basketball on UNC, ran them out of the gym. You come in, you already beat Coach Kane his last home game of the season. Now you got a chance to, to kick him out of college basketball for good. And with a rivalry this rich, I mean, you, you you talked about the shooting before Caleb Love, R.J. Davis. I want to talk about Armando Baycott came back for his senior year, broke a record, a Tim Duncan college basketball record for for double doubles throughout the college season. I, I think he was out rebounding Duke in the first half or something like that. It was crazy. The, the man was on a mission. He really was was a rallying point for this team. And especially in that game, he. Not many people were able to outperform Mark Williams this season at center, and Baycott absolutely did. So all the credit in the world to this UNC team, and and Hubert Davis being a first-year coach to go to national championship 
that is not a bad way to fill in for for oh I don't know who was who was their coach before him someone kind of important right I don't can't remember that name just eludes me yeah we don't say that name here we don't say that name here <laughs> Roy Williams anyway UNC Duke was that epic showdown first time they ever matched up in the tournament and it was a, it was Coach K's final game. Um, so congratulations to UNC for just ruining Duke's season through and through all year long. To get to the other side of the bracket, we like we mentioned, Blue Bloods Final Four all the way through. We thought Arizona, we thought Tennessee could maybe be the team to come out of the South. Your darling Houston ended that for, for Arizona. Michigan ended Tennessee, my pick to win the whole thing, ended their season early. So Villanova, the veteran team that they are, was able to take advantage and more or less walk waltz their way into the final four this year led by of course colin gillespie the issue they ran into was their scoring sensation justin moore well i believe there's a torn meniscus after the houston game in the elite eight so he did not get to play in the final four game which would prove devastating for villanova not a team with necessarily a whole lot of future nba stars but you've got guys like colin gillespie jermaine samuels didn't necessarily step up the ways they needed to in the final four. So they did not make the national championship, but they did come out of the South two seed there. The second two seed them and Duke were the two, two seeds that made it to the final four. I do want to say the one comment I had actually though, about the, so my one, but Michigan and Colorado state at six eleven, you know, it was the most picked upset in the first round, like 60% of people picked Michigan. My buddy was going through his first round with me afterwards and and he said last second i switched to colorado state and and he was explaining to me all his logic in the world and i go great mm -hmm, cool can i ask you one question who the fuck is colorado state just sometimes in this you just have to look at this and be like one of these schools no matter what their seat is is a much bigger powerhouse in sports than the other one michigan was just more massive than colorado state in terms of physical size and that's all that ended up mattering um i had to say my piece there it was a fun little moment for us but Either way, Villanova ended up taking down Michigan in the Sweet 16 en route to their Final Four appearance. Last quadrant was the Midwest. Iowa disappointed me through and through, even though I probably should have seen it coming. There is a punishment bound for me over, over the next couple episodes here as you get to come up with something as we made a friendly wager. And you didn't even get a chance to see Iowa. It, in, in the games you got to go to, unfortunately. You had to watch Richmond have maybe the worst tournament performance of all time. That was heinous. And I have just more disdain for you every day. The fact that I was with, I watched Providence just dismantle Richmond, and it was just an awful game. That it was. And just devastating because I, you, you know, as an Iowa fan, it was like we could have put up probably a better fight than we did in that first game. But also, like, we clearly didn't deserve to be a, a team that can't play defense doesn't really have a chance of making a deep run in March. And Iowa was the perfect example of that. The hot, one of the hottest teams going into the tournament. A lot of people were having them upset Kansas, go to the Final Four, whatever. First round exit. One of the, another thing that really screwed with a lot of people's brackets this year. Iowa lack of defense. The classic saying, hand down, man down, applies through and through to Iowa's defense. However, Keegan Murray, potentially a top five pick in this year's draft, um, didn't win Big Ten Player of the Year. That eludes me, but don't, don't let me get into that one. Bottom portion of this bracket was wacky. Iowa State, the 11 seed, and Miami, the 10 seed, made it to the Sweet 16. I predicted 
there would be a double-digit team to go to the Elite Eight. I predicted Virginia Tech. I prayed it would be St. Peter's. It ended up being Miami. Miami played very solid basketball, but when they run into the juggernaut of Kansas, just were not able to compete. Ochai Agbaji, David McCormack, Christian Brown, and this just hot-as-hell six-man, Remy Martin, blowing through teams in this tournament, moved the Jayhawks in as the last uh, last Blue Blood team, the only one seed to make it to the Final Four. They got Villanova. Again, no Justin Moore. Kansas was able to handle Villanova and Jay Wright and move on for a, an eight versus a one national championship. Not a common matchup you're going to see in the national championship. Um, and, and one of the most competitive championship games we've seen in, in the last few years. We, we get, we, you know, it's, it tends to be like an every other, every two years type of deal where we get good games and bad games. This year looked like it was going to be a runaway at halftime, 40 to 25 lead for, for UNC at half. And the Jayhawks came charging back all the way. McCormack hit a clutch bucket, and then Caleb Love a chance to win it at the end. Or excuse me, tie it at the end. Air balls a three. And the Kansas Jayhawks, for the first time since since Mario Chalmers and Darrell Arthur in 2006, are named national champions of the college basketball world. Your thoughts on this Kansas team and this year's tournament as a whole? In terms of the Kansas team, this episode audio is lost, but when we talked about it last week, I had said I think Kansas is going to win it all. I thought Duke would be on the other side, but I mean they look so strong, such that fast-paced offense, you know, really great shooting, and it was one of those things when you see them down by 20 plus at half, shocking to say the least. But you have that inkling of a feeling that they're just going to come back and run through teams and. It to me, there's no like guarantee of that, but it just seemed like they were built to do it. The other thing is UNC. I mean, even though they beat Baylor, I mean, you watched the 20 point lead just evaporate within a half as well, even less than a half. So I think they finally met their match in terms of losing to just losing that massive lead and not being able to take it back and. You know, Hubert Davis put up a great first season, you know, by far than a lot of other coaches in college basketball would dream. But I, I'm curious to see how it goes, where I think it may escape him in terms of successful winning seasons to win it all. Of course, I wouldn't wish that upon my rival. But <laughs> needless to say, I, I think this is going to be the beginning of something that's going to be happening continuously for the UNC basketball program. Yeah, he he kind of said it, I think, when they beat Duke. Um, you know, UNC had kind of been irrelevant the last few years. UNC should never be an irrelevant college basketball team. That is absolutely true. Hubert has 100% put them back on the map in terms of where they should be. Um, you know, it's fans don't necessarily love seeing the Blue Bloods in the Final Four, but college basketball loves seeing the Blue Bloods in the Final Four. Um, we we were actually treated to quite a, quite a good tournament this year. Lots of upsets, lots of competitive basketball, and maybe the greatest college basketball coach of all time getting a farewell tour. Can't really ask for much more than that. And and a 15 point halftime comeback in the national championship game that ends on 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 a on a missed buzzer beater. Yeah, it was one of the better tournaments in the grand scheme of things in a while. It was much better than last year's. Lack of buzzer beaters, of course, mm. but 
nonetheless, still a lot of excitement, plenty of upsets. I mean, St. Peter's just had a great Cinderella run. You know, Final Four would have been electric, but what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, they, they unfortunately have been uh, just about ripped apart since then. Their coach, uh, Shaheen Holloway, has has left for his alma mater in uh, Seton Hall to go coach there. And some of their better players, including Doug Edert, the mustache man, have entered the uh, transfer port portal. So we will see what happens there. Hopefully the Peacocks still stay on the map. We'd love to see them back in March next year. Uh, but it will be a different look looking team than than this sweet six or excuse me, this Elite Eight squad. We hope we didn't ruin your brackets too terribly much. We know we struggled in certain areas um, in, in our predictions, especially in that eastern portion. But uh, to those of you who did find some success, congratulations. And for those of us that did not, as always, there is next year to look forward to. Fans were back in the building. This is not hopefully not something going away again anytime soon. God, awesome, awesome stuff having college basketball back. And now it's gone again, of course. But. All right, so what is next on the docket? What do we got? Well, I think speaking of basketball, you want to get into basketball, talk about that, and then we have our little surprise. Let's do that. As the NBA season is really wrapping up here at this point, most teams with somewhere in the range of two to four games left, we're going to start with this point so we can no longer talk about a team 15 plus under 500 for the rest of the season. The Los Angeles Lakers have officially been eliminated from both playoffs and play in contention. LeBron Davis and Russell Westbrook all being held out of tonight's game versus the Warriors. And obviously there's no point in them playing. They're waving Trevor Ariza to sign a hopefully younger player to a multi-year contract. They are done. It is over. It is a failed experiment. I can no longer defend LeBron in any way for this season, other than the fact that he's going to finish with the second leading scorer. He did nothing wrong, genuinely. Uh, terribly built team. They're going to have a different coach next year. Russell Westbrook might be a Hornet next year, from, from what Twitter seems to be saying at this moment. <sighs> Look, Stephen A. Went out, went out on ESPN today and said the GOAT debate is over. Because now, now LeBron James has done the most egregious thing in the world and he's missed the playoffs twice in his 18-year career how awful of him no it's only twice right because jordan's missed once and lebron's missed twice i thought he oh no um, it is it is three times the rookie year that's right yeah yeah fair enough so three. but in fairness to him that rookie team was awful it like <laughs> they had a post it was that rookie team on the Cavs versus his team now and like Oof, oof, that rookie team was rough, put it that way, even the in the thing, East at that point. The thing is, like four years later, by the time he's winning his first title, it hasn't gotten much better. Uh, he's gotten much better. Well, yeah, but I mean, you're playing in theory with Russ and Anthony Davis if they're healthy. Not, you know, Anthony Davis was hurt majority of the season. Russell Westbrook, a lot of scrutiny for what he did. But I think now is a good time as ever to just talk about who they beat this year no no are you ready for this i I, listen i i side with jordan here but we just got to give lebron a fair shake for the wins he got right oh no all right first win of the season came october 24th against the memphis grizzlies who you know what second in the west while maybe they weren't up to snuff at that point you know what that's still that's a quality win right there they then beat the Spurs in double overtime. 
oh, in God. San Antonio. Just remember that. That's an away win. That it? That the only away win? <laughs> Not the only one, but they then beat the Cavs okay. in L.A. They beat the Rockets back-to-back games. They lose to the Thunder. They lose to the Blazers. Did they have Dame at that point yet or no? They did. Okay. So, not terrible. Um, they then beat the Hornets in overtime in L.A. They beat your Miami Heat in L.A. in overtime. They beat the Spurs in L.A. No overtime this time. Mm. They then beat the Pistons in Detroit. That's nice. number two. They beat the Pacers in Indiana. That's three. They beat the the Pistons again. So so what I'm I'm tracking here is they really didn't do anything. The wins that they have are not good. I'll I'm gonna skip around a little bit. They beat the Celtics. Now, granted, this was the point the Celtics were not good, but they still beat them, and Celtics are second in the East. Give them credit there. Uh they beat the Mavericks in Dallas in overtime by three. You know, they've beaten the Magic. They beat the Rockets in Houston. They beat the Timberwolves at one point. Mm-hmm. They did beat the Jazz. And they beat Brooklyn. Other than that, oh, they, sorry, they beat the Jazz again and they beat the Warriors. Other than that, I could not give you another quality win. And who so, knows how many of these wins came when stars were weren't playing against their team? I listen. I am going to assume that the other team was fully healthy and didn't do anything. But the, like, I know that they were you know close to maybe getting in that plan. But the wins that they had were not good. <laughs> no, they were not. So we know Frank Vogel's gone. We know Russell Westbrook's probably going to be on a different team. Here, here's here's the real deal here, because we know no matter what, there's not much of LeBron left. There's a couple years, sure, but you consider trading Anthony Davis. He barely played. He they have when they have played together, have not looked remotely close to 2020. And there are better big men. Also, LeBron's come out, said he'd love to play with a guy like Steph Curry. He'd love to play with a guy like Luka Doncic. Anthony Davis is nowhere near those players. Anthony Davis is no longer a top 10 player in basketball. Is that a good enough duo to win, or do they have to start moving on? That duo is not good enough to win. However, you get rid of Westbrook, you get rid of Davis. You've cleared out so much cap room, which is awesome, but what do you do with it? Like, I, you know, Anthony Davis was hurt a lot of the season. In terms of, like, a team will trade for him, but his trade value is probably kind of low. Oh, yeah. Um, Let's assume that you can swindle the Hornets at a LaMelo ball. I mean, that's your point guard, but even then, that's going to be a stretch unless Michael Jordan really wants to prove himself as the worst owner of all time, which I, who knows? Maybe that does happen, and we go back to square one where, like, I hate the fact that Lakers get everything. Why? Well, uh, I just sorry because the joke came to my head. We talk about Michael Jordan's the worst GM of all time. Genie Bus is giving him a good run for his money at this point. <laughs> but uh, to be fair, Genie Bus, I'm sure getting Russell Westbrook, that was very much like some call it some polite nudging to be like, we need another star. And you you had the opportunity to get DeRozan. DeRozan was a done deal, and then 
LeBron, this is me going at LeBron. I don't do this much. LeBron basically comes in and says, Russ is our guy. Yeah. I, but here's the thing about DeRozan. We did not see him, not say he's an MVP caliber player, but he performed so well this year, kind of, We've seen him do that in Toronto, but this is kind of out of the blue. This is something that had been a few years removed. And to me, if he had come to L.A., he'd be coming off the bench. He plays the same position as LeBron. He's not going to have the ball constantly. I, I really think he'd he'd be a good addition to the Lakers. It would have fit better, but he would have been overshadowed. And Yes, he would have been a starter, though, because LeBron's the four at this point. He hasn't been playing three all year. He's been playing four and five more than more than three or DeRozan could play the two. But DeRozan gives them that that level of scoring that Westbrook doesn't anymore. And that's in the mid range, which is something this team severely lacks. They also lack shooters in general. Um, They'd be in the plane with DeRozan. They wouldn't be a top six seed. They'd be in the plane with him instead of Russ. Um, But I, I, I think it'd be better. I think it would have been the more intelligent call to make. Um, but also, you know, they basically went through last offseason, like, let's compile a roster that maybe maybe sounds good to, to LeBron or something. They're not going to do what they did last year again. They're going to revamp. They're going to get in younger players. They're going to hopefully, instead of having just two or three players to do everything, space it out, you know, bring in what the Chiefs did to replace Tyreek Hill. They brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. They brought in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They brought in multiple solid players rather than just trying to fill that entire void with one player again. Um, That's what they have to do. They have to build depth within the roster. They have to not trade all of their draft picks for one player and one title. It's very important these next few years for the Lakers, starting with this offseason, to just rebuild the culture from the inside out. The problem is, though, they can rebuild it, but... It's they're in win now mode. LeBron's got let's call it three years probably left. Whenever Bronny makes them to the league or he declares for it. After that, it's kind of like they're gonna it's like when Kobe left. It leaves a void and And that's why it's so important to rebuild rebrand yourselves now with LeBron still on the roster. Because you you want to end up like Cleveland, where LeBron's gone and then it only takes a couple years for you to have fixed everything. You don't want to end up like Cleveland the first time where LeBron's gone and you don't have a chance in hell's in, in the, the, the light of the world until you get LeBron back. There's just no shot. That was the difference is Cleveland became prepared that second time. Miami was prepared when LeBron left. L.A. has to start getting to that point because he may not leave L.A. for the rest of his career, and that career may be three or four more seasons. But when he's gone, and it is still coming like a freight train, you ha- the Lakers, a storied franchise especially, has to be prepared to stay to stay competitive. Well, you know what? Time and time again, they're gonna just they're gonna try win now. We know it's gonna happen. And well, yeah, that's why I'm worried they won't trade Davis because they'll just say Davis is our guy after LeBron, even though Davis will be well over 30 by that point. Yeah, and that's going to be interesting to see if that heats up. I, I feel like AD and LeBron are kind of buddy-buddy, so that may stay the same. I'm sure Russ was more of a I'd like to play with him type deal. You know, the, if LeBron were to go somewhere else, I feel like that's a lot more feasible in terms of teaming up with whoever he wanted. Like, Warriors aren't going to trade Steph Curry to the Lakers. The Mavs are not going to trade Luka Doncic to the Lakers. 
Well, and, LeBron could decline his player option and go play for Golden State for $30 million a year instead of 45 in L.A. Yeah, but I truthfully think the Warriors the Warriors are smart in the sense that I think they've built a culture and want to keep it that way. Oh, and yeah. Even Steph Curry being like, you know, I'm I'm good. Plus, it's, LeBron LeBron and Curry wouldn't mix as well as everyone wants to think that they would because they're they're too ball dominant. They're just both like it would it would be amazing. They do they'd be an incredible basketball team, but I wouldn't say they're a lock for the playoffs at this point just because those are two players that mostly need the ball in their hands to dominate Curry a little less so. Um, but but isn't that kind of like Kevin Durant and Steph Curry 2.0? Yeah, yes and no, just because Durant was a little more perfect in the sense that he was just that laser shooter. You know, okay. he, he he could they could dance around the perimeter and never have to take a two point shot and still win a game. Um, LeBron's a little more grit and grind than Durant was a little different than what Curry likes to do. Fair. I, I just think if you team them up, you kept Clay Thompson, you kept Draymond Green, you have Jordan. Oh, it'd be Fuller. amazing. Yeah, that's that's still easily a playoff team and can do so much with it. I don't it won't happen. It wouldn't happen until like LeBron. That's the Warriors need to draft Bronny, and that'll happen. But fortunately, Sam Presti exists, so that will not happen either. <laughs> and, on, and, I, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again: if LeBron leaves LA, he's going to Cleveland or Miami. He is not going to a team he hasn't played for this okay, late. Okay, see. Okay. Or, or Sam Presti. No, I I actually think it's more likely that he gets Sam Presti to LA than okay, see, gets LeBron to to come there. <laughs> I. I really think Sam Presti is going to just make a move. Like, if we get Bronny, we get one season of LeBron, and then you have uh, just a lineup of every player with just an awesome last name. Like, you got all the like the Russian guys, like... Um, yeah, and then there's another guy, too, who started... I saw their starting lineup. It was Blazers Thunder. Just... I gotta, I gotta find it just to read Dude, off some of the names. I remember OKCs. Let me tell you, that. I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce every name right. So Xavier Simpson, the hook shooting point guard out of a Michigan. Yep. Uh, he was the point guard. I, I, I know. I'm visualizing the name. I'm not gonna say it correctly. Giorgio's like, Castellani, something like that. I don't know. It's the other foreign player you're talking about. Then it's Vic Kretzky. It was Jalen Horde who had 23 and 21 in that game, and Isaiah Roby was the starting center. I do remember Isaiah Roby, and the Blazers were – the Blazers had someone I recognized, but it was also gross. And you know what? I respect both teams for doing that. Why risk your these gems of players when you could just put in some guys who arguably could have been pulled off the street? I have no problem yeah, with it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And again, Jalen Horde put up the game of his life because who the hell else was going to? Amen. Amen. Um. Do we want to have our little surprise here? Well, I guess we only really talked about the Lakers there, though. Let's let's let's, let's stay on the NBA for just a sec before we shift gears here. Um, as again, like the playoffs, really close. We've talked about the idea of who's going to get stuck playing Brooklyn in the first round of the playoffs. Brooklyn is so we we expected that if Brooklyn stayed in that seven eight, they'd be seven because they would win one playing game against Toronto or Cleveland or, who, or whoever it was going to be. They are more likely now going to be in that nine ten matchup because it well. It's really hard to say because there's about half a game separating 7 through 10 right now. Um, but the issue becomes if they fall into that spot, the only team they could play is that one seed. I don't think Miami would have an issue. 
I think the only team that would really have an issue with Brooklyn in the first round is Boston. And Boston has unfortunately put themselves in this spot where they kind of seem like the team that's just going to get stuck with it because the world where they're the one seed, Brooklyn's going to be eight. The world where they're the two seed, Brooklyn's going to find a way to be seven. I don't know. That just feels like the first round matchup that's most appropriate for Brooklyn because it's the one that they could actually win with or without Ben Simmons. So it seems like it'll be without Ben Simmons. As an agent of chaos, I'm monitoring the situation very closely. And right now, the Nets are in the eighth seed. They own the tiebreaker over the Hawks, so they have the same record. Um, you know, that's going to be a, whoever wins more games will have the eighth seed. But, you know, well, actually, they're one game behind the Cavs, too. So the Cavs, if they lose both their games and Brooklyn wins one, Brooklyn wins one or two, depending on the tiebreaker, they'll move up to seven. In okay. short, though, if they can keep that eighth seed, they play the Cavs first round. I would love a world where they beat the Cavs and therefore solidifying a Boston versus Brooklyn matchup. And we just watch anarchy ensue. Yep. All I want is just the Nets to be that seven, eight game and win that or lose depending on where Boston falls. But I think Boston's going to be the two seed at this point. Yeah. It's what it's, what it's seeming like is again, like with this whole Brooklyn scenario, Milwaukee and Philadelphia understand that if they're three and four, Yes, they forfeit second round home court advantage. Unless they're the three seed and Brooklyn is the team they get to play in the second round. That is kind of what they're banking on at this point. They also, you know, three is the target mark for every Eastern Conference team if you're not the Heat right now. The Heat want to say it one. I don't think they're going to try and lose that. Three is then the next seed you want to be because you don't get, you can't get Brooklyn until the second round. And if you do get Brooklyn in the second round, you get home court advantage because they will have taken down the two seed. It'll be – it's coming down to the wire. I'm – like I said, I think teams are – being that Bucks and Sixers could jump to the two seed in theory, I'm sure it's – there's kind of this optimistic caution. I think three is that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Three – I mean, four is – four is the Raptors, which I would venture to say isn't terrible. That's a tough matchup, but – if I, Sorry, go on, sorry. Uh, so, okay. You know what you're going to get with the Raptors. The Bulls are, unfortunately, Lonzo Ball's done for the season. I mean, Levine's been banged up. Like, the Bulls will have their spurts and moments, but, I mean, I still think any of either the Sixers or the Bucks could beat them. You know, seven being the Cavs, who could fall to eight, that's a, probably a pretty good first-round matchup, too. It's literally mm-hmm. just the Nets where they fall that seven, eight, seed or even if they do maybe they get pushed into the play-in and lose and who knows yeah well, well Cleveland the the plan is in terms of the teams in it set right now Cleveland is locked in the play-in at this point um yeah okay the thing you don't want to see if you're Philly is Toronto in the first round you will beat them regardless of this fact but being the only unvaccinated player on the team Matisse Thibel would not be able to uh, play the games in Toronto. That is an all-defensive player right there. Matisse is an anti-vaxxer? What? Matisse is an anti-vaxxer. He's the <laughs> only player on the team that wouldn't be allowed to travel. Um, so here, here's what that does. First of all, you're losing your best perimeter defender. Issue number one. Issue number two, when he does get to play in a full series, next series, he's not in rhythm. He hasn't been playing every every game. 
He's not in sync. Three, if Toronto does, for whatever reason, catch fire, their best players are forwards, the positions that Matisse would be guarding, Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes. Of course, Red Van Vliet too, but Tease probably wouldn't be on him anyway. You'd probably throw Maxi on him. It hurts. It just it, – it it's one of these things where the Sixers have had so much trouble being – putting a consistent lineup on the court in the playoffs these last few years – that it's just annoying that this is one of those things that's just coming up because of, a, you know, it, I'm not trying to make this about get vaxxed or anything like that, but it's because of a decision Matisse Thibel has chosen to make that they're not going to be complete. You always have to bank on injuries coming up in the playoffs. So you don't want to get too thin at that point, because then you get to the second round. Matisse is barely played. Say Ferky gets hurt. Someone else gets hurt. Now, now all of a sudden that great forward depth you have is gone you really can't take Tobias Harris out of the game. And that, that can become an issue. Well, I, I'll still take it over having to play. Like I'd rather that than playing the nets, but yeah, that sure. I didn't realize that until today. So that's some good breaking news from our insider, Robbie Rosenfeld here. Ooh. Interesting though. The West seems pretty clear cut at this point. I mean, what do we got? Suns in first. Grizzlies are locked in that two seed. Uh, Warriors are kind of three, four. They'll be, I mean, Mavericks, they played, they have three games left, the Warriors do, and then the Mavs have two. So, I mean, they just need to win a few more, basically. Is it uh, Denver or Utah in fifth right now? Utah. Utah, Okay. That potential 3-6 of Dallas versus Denver, I think Denver wins. I don't know why. I just Luka has struggled to get out of the first round in the last few years, uh, first few years of his career, I guess. Um, and that Denver team has a lot to prove, right? First of all, Jokic is trying to you know, set, a, set the standard of being the best player in basketball, trying to win back-to-back MVPs. Um, and also, no one expects anything out of this, this Nuggets team. They're down two of their three best players. And they're going to, you know, be going up against one of the better teams in in the Western Conference. They're going to play the most care, not necessarily carefree. That doesn't quite sound right, but just they're not going to they're playing pressure free basketball. That's what I'm looking for, because if they lose this series, they're supposed to lose this series. But you win this series. Now you have the momentum of having knocked off the three seed and it's a very beatable three seed. Let me tell you, that's going to propel them forward to then get a bang, either a banged up Warriors team or an inexperienced yet very hot Grizzlies team. I'm I'm not saying there's necessarily another trip to the conference finals in the Nuggets, you know, future, but they are definitely the team to watch out for because like I said, they don't have a whole lot weighing them down at this point. This is a like have fun play your best type playoffs for them. And those are dangerous. I mean, they'd end up if they were the 6 seed and they ended up the Mavs would be the three. They would then play the Grizzlies if the Grizzlies were to win, which we'd presume. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would be interesting. That's an interesting matchup, to say the least. But, yeah, that mentality of you have nothing to lose is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw it, like, firsthand. If we played a real bad team in a wreck, we'd play worse because we're like, we can beat them. And then when we started making mistakes, we, like, got that doubt. But if we were playing a really good team for the most part we just kind of go out there and fire it wouldn't end well but that's because we couldn't shoot a basketball exactly exactly yeah. oh i always remember that game we played when we played a team with no coach 
Um, and we, we, we went into that game thinking, oh, we don't have to try very hard. And then, and then all of a sudden we were like, oh, well, if we just try a little bit hard, we, we're fine. <laughs> See, I have that mentality as always because I've, I've witnessed it like firsthand of you just go in this cocky confidence and you just lose. Uh, but I, I remember that game distinctly where I was getting a bunch of rebounds and just getting like smacked and got no calls. And I'm like, this is fun. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, I remember um, Will Roble dribbled the basketball through my legs. And so I scored four straight points on him. That sounds on brand. And then Neil Shaw blocked one of my shots and still went in. It was great. Hmm. Ugh, good times. Back on track, though. Um, the only question that really matters in the Western Conference at this point, though, is can somebody stop Phoenix? We talked about it a little bit in our deleted episode. Um, we talked about Golden State. We talked about Memphis with just a couple games left here. Is there a te- if there's a team that can over overtake Phoenix to to win the West? Who do you got? Well, our viewers have to subscribe to our Patreon to figure that out. That's a lost episode right there. No, I'm kidding. I The team that I think will give the Suns a potential run for their money is a healthy Warriors team. Just all that playoff experience, it does so much. And that, to me, is scary and can have a major impact. I think the Suns are going to weather the storm anyway, but... I think the Grizzlies are a little too young. Mm-hmm. I think if the Nuggets were to make it far, they're just too banged up, unfortunately. The Mavs are too young and inexperienced. The Jazz, I, despite what everyone else doesn't want to say, you know, Donovan Mitchell, I think, is going to eventually want out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just kind of like ticking. What, so, what do you think about the storyline that Donovan Mitchell is purposely not passing Rudy Gobert the ball? because <laughs> I, I i don't think it's real but i love it well it's funny yeah because he passes the ball to him like two point something times per game apparently and he averages three turnovers a game so in theory he passes the ball to the other team more than he passes it to rudy gobert <laughs> i you know i think it's overblown i think it, it you know i'm sure donovan mitchell who's a scorer at heart doesn't want to pass the ball already, and then passing it to Rudy Gobert, who is useless offensively unless it's from two feet away. To, I think it's just propelling that narrative. Yeah, but, I wonder if it's you, you know how in, I'm going to bring back to Rick when when you pass the ball to the kid that you know he's not going to make it, but you still know he's going to shoot the ball. That's probably what goes through Donovan Mitchell's head when he gives the ball. Rudy Gobert's like, "Mother, we're going the other way." At least Rudy Gobert though is seven feet tall and can like almost like just. <laughs> Plop the ball in the basketball hoop. I think that young Kim grow a few feet and then we'll give you the ball again. Here's you weren't on my team at this point. I was like in seventh or eighth grade, but we played uh remember Coach Barna, who like yeah, I of course I played with when I was younger, hated playing with him because he was just wit like ugh, I digress. Anywho though, so my rec team when I was in eighth grade, what or sorry, sixth grade, went undefeated. And we like won every game. Like we played in these travel tournaments and you know we're pretty competitive because we had like really good players who just happened to play a rec mm-hmm. and at the end of the season we had beaten the the coach Barnes' team and he scheduled a scrimmage again and I, it was a really like tight game and i passed it there's like two fifth graders on our team so you're younger than me i passed it to one of them and he was probably the worst player in the team mm-hmm. he caught it and immediately chucked up a shot you know, no shot clock, nothing. 
and it was one of those like mother and just like ready to like freak yep. out that ball like must have been 30 feet in the air and nothing but net like wow. didn't even hit the net type deal or just went straight in That's cool. and it was unbelievable to watch so sometimes <laughs> those players will surprise you for better or for worse i love that <laughs> Moral of the story, don't pass the ball to Rudy Gobert. Agreed. So, if you were to predict the NBA Finals right now, what would you say it was going to be? Oh, boy. I'm going to say, well, Suns, I have to kind of commit to that choice. I'm going to say Milwaukee to be controversial. I can't say both one seeds. That's fair. I don't like the fact that I'm about to, but I That's do. That's fair. And, and th- this is also a little biased because I, you know, my, my Heat are the best team in the East. I have to pick them. Um, I think the Heat are going to beat the Suns in the NBA Finals in seven games. Fair enough. I really think, though, the one team that will give the Heat a run for their money is just going to be the Bucks as per yeah. usual. Mm-hmm. Time will tell with that. I that's the only team I think stacks up pretty well with them at this point. I want that as the Eastern Conference Finals more than anything for two reasons. Number one, they're the best two teams in the Eastern Conference to be the best series. Number two, last year, the Bucks sent the Heat home in four. Two years ago, the Heat sent the Bucks home in five. This is round three. This is the cage match. This is the who was better, Giannis and the Scrubs or Spolstra and the squad? Is it is it the whole team or is it the individuals? We are we hopefully are going to find out this postseason. All right, today's going to be a little basketball heavy. We know there was a lot of football that we we got we did do in our episode our lost episode. Um, we're we're not going to rehash all of it because there was a lot, but we will give you guys a good breakdown of the off season before the NFL season starts. Probably when we're doing some draft recap, but for the sake of speeding up the episodes a little bit, we're just going to stick to basketball today. So I'm going to ask you here, do we want to give them our little surprise now and do the awards at the end or flip it? Flip it. Let's do the awards now. Uh, Kick us off. All right. So given again that the NBA NBA season is about to conclude, we are going to break down here the award winners. We've talked about the MVP race a little bit this season so far, so we're really going to break it down now and tell you who who we are going to choose. Not just for the MVP, though, but for all of the main six NBA awards. We'll do the All-NBA teams another day. Let's work our way up to the MVP. Let's start with the one that has nothing to do with the the players. Let's start with the coach of the year. I think there's probably only three names that are really going to come across anybody's mind. Um, you got the Suns coach, Monty Williams. you got the Heat coach, Eric Spolstra. And you've got the Grizzlies coach, Taylor Jenkins. Could probably throw a few more names in that ring, but those three, I think... Have kind of separated themselves. I'll I'll go out and say that I, where I think Spolstra is currently the best coach in the NBA, I don't think he's necessarily going to win the award. I actually think it should go to Taylor Jenkins for a few reasons here. One, this Grizzlies team has overachieved all season. Not to say the Heat and the Suns haven't, but more so than either of those two teams the Grizzlies have overachieved. Number two, they are an outstanding team when their best player is not playing. They have lost just two games with John Morant not in the lineup. That is insane for a, a team that young, that inexperienced to be playing without that good of a player. Sensational. And finally, when they are healthy, 
they play some of the just smoothest basketball you will ever see. It, this is a, a, a franchise that is known for their grit and their grind, for their ugly but effective play. This is a, a, a Grizzlies team that that's still entrenched in. You see it a lot in their players, especially in John and Bain. Um, but there's a, a finesse to this team, especially with John in the lineup, that they there is just about nothing this squad can't do. And you really get that feeling when, when they're healthy. They, they haven't been healthy much this year, but again, it hasn't really affected them uh, record-wise. They're full strength at the playoffs. They're just, like, like I've been saying about the Heat all year, they're full strength come postseason. They're as tough as out as, uh, an out as anybody. And I, I think Taylor Jenkins has more to do with that than John Morant, than Jaron Jackson, than any individual player in that system. I, I agree with that. I think Taylor Jenkins should win coach of the year just from that transition that the Grizzlies have made. One other name that I want to throw in there, which for coach of the year, I always think of it's the team that has like the most improved through a coach being mm-hmm. implemented in their system. Actually, I think another good name who will be overshadowed because he didn't win as much as Taylor Jenkins is Jason Kidd. Mm. That Mavs team very, very depleted, other than Luka, obviously. And, I mean, they're fourth in the Western Conference as of today and, you know, potentially looking at third place if they can win more than the Warriors. I, you know, Luka's the wonder kid, but that's pretty impressive, too. He'll be overshadowed by Jenkins in this case. Monty Williams, Eric Spolstra, very established names. You know what they can do. So, to me, Coach of the Year is always going to be that person that, like, sort of exceeds expectations. We know that Spolstra and Williams will do so good because they're already so high. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we, we didn't see this before, but Jason Kidd's got to be one of those match-made-in-heaven coaches for Luka. You know, played and won for that same franchise, was a point guard, same position, and knows quite a bit about winning at a high level while really only letting one player score the basketball. <laughs> so... You know, hats off to them. I, I don't think Kid's going to get his name up in the top three. Um, but, no, it's a good name to bring in. They, they did have a much improved season, um, and, and Kid was a big part of that, 100%. But it okay. seems like our pick here is, is Taylor Jenkins for the most part. Let's rapid fire the rest of these, cause I, and then we'll get to MVP. But six man. Easy. Tyler Hero. Tyler Jones. Hero. No I question. agree. Most improved. Who you got? <sighs> this is – yeah. Uh, I would have to imagine if he, you know, honestly, is Andrew Wiggins not a bad name to throw in there? I don't think he's going to win, but like kind of an impressive, an all-star at least, and has played a lot better because of it. He is definitely an improved player. It it took a big stride. Obviously, all-star starter is is nothing to be scoffed at. I, you know, that that is a name I forgot about. Maybe, maybe he deserves to be one of my runners up. I just, I don't know. Not a flashy pick though. Exactly. He hasn't done quite white enough i think it's going to go to darius garland of the cavaliers not only because he was their first all-star since lebron james but because they're going to the playoffs for the first time since since lebron james that is that is pretty crazy and he is despite some of the other players they brought in their best player no question Dejounte murray is the other player i thought about him in a similar spot as garland but obviously the Cavs having a more successful season than san antonio is kind of what sealed the deal for me i think they're both incredible players and the comparison I've heard about Darius Garland is, is that he's the next James Harden. Um, I hate that in terms of James Harden. I love that in terms of statistical play for Darius Garland. He's my most improved player. Okay. 
Roy, rookie of the year. It's it's between Cunningham and Mobley, but um, I got to go with my boy Cade. I think he's Ooh. put it together in the second half. I I love Mobley. Don't get me wrong. But if we're really just talking about who's the better rookie here, it's it's Cade. He can he he already looks like a three or four year vet. Mobley, you can tell sometimes there's still a little bit of work to be done. Cade. Maybe it's maybe it's overdone because he's a piston. It's a little little bit of that Michael Kid, uh, Michael Carter Williams effect here, but I don't know. I I have a tough time saying that somebody did better than Kate Cunningham. I gotta say Evan Mobley. I get that. To be fair to like Kate, I mean he's done great this second half of the season, but he's also been given the keys to do whatever mm-hmm. for the Pistons. Evan Mobley is a piece. To the Cavs, I mean, you have Garland, you got Jared Allen playing the same position. To me, I, I think he deserved it. If he hadn't gotten hurt, I think he'd be the runaway candidate. But I'm going to say Mobley. I have been very impressed by how he's done this season, especially when that fit wasn't given. And I still think the Cavs should have ran the five big men, but they have not done that yet. So. One can dream. One can, One can dream. dream. Bring in Nick Jokic in the offseason. Um, Depoy, who you got? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Giannis cause I refuse to say Marcus Smart. Yeah. I w I will also going to say Giannis, uh, Smart, Smart is a sleeper pick for me as well as, as Bam Adebayo and Michael Bridges. I don't think any of them are going to win it. Smart probably has the best chance. If Giannis doesn't win it as much as it pains me to say Rudy Gobert will be the defensive player of the year again. Draymond, had he not got hurt, probably would have been that third name. Um, but the league loves Rudy and Giannis, where he's not going to win MVP this year. You can't discredit what he does and how much he means to Milwaukee. He will, he will be the defensive player of the year. He's also an amazing defender. That's not to discredit what he does by any means on that end. The big one. Who's your MVP? Shock the world. Nikola Jokic. I, I hearts. I, come on. You know, like, Mm-mm. I won't no, admit it. I, but you know what? Like, Honestly, with Embiid, who is probably going to win the scoring title now, it wouldn't have surprised me. It's just this narrative has carried on far too long that Jokic is like going to win the MVP. And I really think it's going to be close. But I think Jokic is going to win it again, stupidly, just because I, I just think it's going to happen. I just look, I, I know these advanced stats that people love all point to Jokic. The win shares, the everything but points per game in terms of statistics, basically. First of all, Joel Embiid is about to become the first center since Shaq to lead the league in scoring. That is how physically dominant he is. He is a three-level scorer at the height of seven foot one. Name one other person in basketball that fits those credentials. You cannot. Joel Embiid in the last few games has been putting up, what, about 43 a night, including like 15 rebounds. He has gone on a tear. Not to say Jokic hasn't gone on stretches like this before, too. Philly is a higher seed. They're pretty similar record-wise, but I do actually think the Sixers are the better team uh, in, in total. And that was even before James Harden came to join Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid's statistics have actually gotten better since adding another star to his team rather than worse that some people might might sometimes project. But adding a playmaker to a big man is always going to you know, yeah. add bonus. But for me, it really comes down to the fact that I have never thought Nikola Jokic was a better center than Joel Embiid. And that's really where we're judging them here. We're not judging the best basketball player on the planet. That's neither of them. We are judging, at this point, the best center, the best season for a center. 
again, go to all the advanced metrics you want, but if Joel Embiid back to the basket cannot be stopped, Jokic can be by Embiid. That's where I come into play is that Embiid can stop Jokic. Jokic cannot stop Embiid. Jokic can pass the ball around Embiid's big-ass body all, all the do-die day. Fine. Jokic just doesn't have that killer mentality that Embiid seems to bring in at this point just about every single day. Jokic is an absolute treasure to watch, but he is not as fundamentally sound of a basketball player as Joel Embiid is, especially for the center position. The problem is those – I listen, I love Joel Embiid. You know, biasly, I'd say he is the MVP. The problem is you're going to have those advanced stats. The narrative that he played this basically entire season as like the guy in Denver without Michael Porter Jr., with that, for most of it, without Jamal Murray, and then only has two less wins than the Sixers. After all that, is carries a lot of weight. It does. On top of that, if I put it this way, if James Harden hadn't, if that Ben Simmons trade hadn't gone through, and Embiid did what he did, I think Embiid is a shooting candidate to win. However, you add a superstar, he gets better because defense is more focused on Harden than just Embiid. And I think that just kind of distracts everything. And it's like he did a lot on his own. And believe me, I'm not trying to discredit that. But in the eyes of some people, it's like, well, he has Harden now, so he should be dropping more points. And Listen, that's what I'm saying, or that's what's going to happen. And I think we're kind of due for a back-to-back MVP, which I think voters like to do, especially when they're lazy. I Listen. Don't be lazy. Pick the best player. Let LeBron be the MVP, even though they finished 20 under. Believe me, one day we're going to have actual MVP voting rights, and we will talk about this publicly. But for now, like, I, it pains me to say it, but you got to give it to Jokic. I hate it, but that's who I'm going with. You know, I hope Embiid wins. I'd celebrate it, but... It just, like, it deflates my soul to say Jokic is the MVP because, to me, he is so much further from the best player in basketball than Joel Embiid is. He's and boring, though. That's he, that's why everyone's so disinterested in him. Who cares? I get... I, 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 I understand who cares, but, like, man, I've never cared when basketball is boring because that means it's being played correctly. Basketball's That's, fun nowadays because Steph Curry's not doing it the right way. He's doing it the way that works for him, which is great for him and great for the Warriors and in some ways great for basketball. But Steph Curry's not a top 20 basketball player of all time in terms of fundamental skill of the game. That's not even a conversation that can be had. But that's what I mean where you're implicitly biased to not wanting Jokic because he's like he'll score a ton of points, but he moves slow. He doesn't jump that high and he's very fundamentally sound at what he does. That's not exciting. You have Embiid doing step back three pointers. That's exciting. That's why we gravitate toward it. I mean, also because I like the Sixers, but yeah, yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. I, yeah, whatever. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I hope Embiid wins. I'm just letting you know right now that I think it's Embiid did everything he could and more to win the MVP. I just, yeah. So then you're saying Joel Embiid will never win an MVP. Uh, probably not, unfortunately. Okay, cool. Yeah. Then I have one last question here that I, I don't want this to keep dragging on. Is he ever going to be good enough to win the Sixers a title? Or is the process a failure? The process was never a failure because we went from 10 win seasons where no one wanted to watch to people want to watch them. But I, 
Hey, listen. But the process was to get to a championship. Well, this is where the process was flawed, where you had a little baby on the team named Ben Simmons who decided he didn't want to be a part of the process. Here's what I'll say. Ben Simmons ruined the process title of the episode. <laughs> I don't think the process is a failure. Embiid has given so much to the city and has done he like he is a superstar. It's gonna come down to who can you pair him up with to shoot for that title. I think the process is a failure if they don't make it to the conference finals. And right now, yes, they have not. I, so time will tell with that. But there's a little bit of optimism this year. Who who knows what version of James Harden we get? But I, I, I have moderate optimism. Fair enough. As only one can with their team. We'll stow the, the uh, playoff talk there, the award talk there. Um I'll, I'll preach for Devin Booker as the third MVP candidate when people will care about me doing that. So that won't probably happen for a while. Ever. We are going to try something new here on the podcast. It's a segment we haven't tried before. We're going to test it, see what y'all think. Um, I'm going to let Baker take it away here in a second. But we are going to kind of essentially try and test more than just our current event factual knowledge uh, basketball intuition. We make fun of a lot of people a lot of things in sports and that's just the nature of what we like to do because we as fans we have the right to complain and face no consequences for them so we've decided to to a degree put our money where our mouth is we're going to be gms and this is a new segment where we're going to be the ones making all the decisions together as gms so to anyone who is listening on audio you will not be able to see this but the hope is we will upload this just as a video to YouTube and you can watch it from there. So what's going on right now? There's this website I used to love playing during COVID. It's called play.basketball-gm. What you can do is you can make, a, you're the GM of a team, you have fake players and you kind of have to see how far you go. So Robbie and I are gonna try to navigate the murky untapped waters of this league. And we go from there. So we're going to start a new league. And, all right, what should we call the league? I mean, you put me on the spot here, aren't you? I thought you would have already had some snazzy name came off the top of your head. Should it's got to be the, the gym, something with the gym class all-stars, right? Gym class, gym class pickup league. I was just going to say, we just call it gym class. No, just call it the YMCA. <laughs> That's basically what we're doing here. More or less. All right. What team do we want to be? We have all these very... Oh, it's got to be the Denver High. That's not even a question. All right. <laughs> That's absurd that they let that be an option. And easy, normal, hard, insane. We got to go insane, right? Because we're, we're... We're amazing at this. We're amazing. Customized settings. We have insane. 82 games per season. You know, that doesn't matter. Trade deadline... That's fine. That's fine. Playoff games. All right. So we're going to create the league, though. Now, our uh, our general managing experience may be, may be minimal. Uh, I have been an assistant coach on a basketball team before, and I have refed a basketball team before. So I do have some experience in the basketball world outside of, of being a player. So those are my credentials here. Um, 
meaning meaning I have a lot of experience if I do well, and I'm pretty inexperienced if we do poorly. So I'm, I'm in a nice, nice safe gray area right now. Look at that logo right there. You see that? Oh, my gosh. It's like a little marijuana leaf. Oh, wow. That's, Am I that's... allowed to say marijuana on this show? I, I don't know. <laughs> Are we censored? All right. Answless. So here's our team. We got our playmaker, Gary Martin. You know, you got three-pointers, got blocking his defensive potential. He's a 78, and I know it doesn't sound good, but in this league, if you have someone who's above 75, they are quite good. I'm about to say, plus a good a good point guard, especially, you know, I don't know how attuned this is to the quote-unquote modern NBA, but uh, in the modern NBA, you need a good point guard. You, you're not going to be a successful team without a top-tier point guard. So we got Gary Martin as our point guard. We got Rob Chandler as our forward center. Daniel Oswald, guard forward, three-point specialist. Greg Brown, Omari Weaver, and then off the bench, we've got Trey Phelps, John Hyman, Darius Johnson, Alexi Pativ, that's our Sam Presti, you know, draft stock, someone from, like, oh, yeah. Eastern Europe. With the Mr. Irrelevant pick in the NBA draft. What? Nikem Katuka? That's a name and a half. Well, we love we love the fun names that these things are going to come we've, up. We've really stockpiled a lot of foreign talent, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Sean Barros, and then Doman Zupan. That, that's okay. For, forwards can play anything. That's that's the beauty of forwards is they're supposed to be that middle ground. I also, I'm just assuming that our three-point specialist, Daniel Oswald, is the whitest man on earth. Oh, he has I'm to picturing, I'm picturing, like, Duncan Robinson mixed with, like... Mike like Miller? Like, Yankovic. <laughs> oh, he's got... He's, like, he's an actual stoner. He's got, like, the dreads. He's wearing Rasta stuff. No, he, he's, like, 90% of the reason why we called ourselves the Denver High. He's fully embraced the culture here that we've... <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. So here's my thought. We do one season where we just let it go and we see where we end up, and then we begin, like, the offseason afterwards. We got we to test run it. Of course. So, we got we to gotta see where our boys are at because we can't physically see where our boys are at. All right. So we'll go to home, and what we'll do, we'll start with a, just a 10-day simulation. We'll see where we're at. We'll, or we'll, do, we'll do a week. Yeah, start to see how we're doing. Want to know. Big stuff. All right, four and two, not bad, or five and two. All right, there we go, not bad. Gary Martin, kind of elite. Um, yeah. So, so if you, if you can't see, it does give us a little statistical breakdown of who our top scorers, rebounders are, and we can see kind of where our team struggles. It shows us where we rank in the league and whatnot. It looks like we're a good scoring team. We are a terrible rebounding team. I like it. I like it. That's how Second. we. We're, that, that, that was well I, I can't fully say that for our rec basketball team because you were not a terrible rebounder you were just the only rebounder on our rec basketball team yeah all right so it looks like Gary Martin's feeling himself so let's add more playing time let's give him a terribly high workload <laughs> yes this is us explaining that we're great great uh GMs we're Tom Thibodeauing our players all right maybe we'll we'll, we'll do uh we'll Eric Spolster our players and drop the playing time down a little bit um so right now rob chandler seems like he's upset by something i don't know why he's five and two and i could trade him away if i wanted to but you know what like let's we're gonna have to appease him uh let's do an auto sort of the roster okay same thing we'll just add more playing time for gary rr martin because that's what i'm gonna call him from now on (laughs) gary martin all right we're gonna see another week you know doing pretty well we are. Oh, Mari Weaver got hurt. No, but he's got 
patellar tendonitis. Isn't that like just plantar fasciitis essentially? I think it, I think it is, but it'll be out for two weeks because, you know, why not? Um, you know what, though? Where are we doing for rebound-wise? We're 28th. We're improving. We're up one place. All right, but you know what? We should we got to go out and find a rebounder, right? I see. Yeah, this is the thing. We're we're eight and six right now, six in the conference. We're a playoff team, but it looks like if we can get ourselves a rebounder, we're gonna put ourselves in business. Maybe trade that <laughs> forward center for someone better. Look at him go. I love how he's ninth though. He <laughs> just no one else gets rebounds. It's a well. Let's see. This guy right here looks pretty good. Let's try and get him. The third leading scorer's name is Vander Gooch. I love it. It's a name and a half. Let's try and trade for him. Um, so what would make this deal work? He can't afford to give up that much. All right, so he doesn't want to trade him. That's a bummer. Let's keep looking. Trading block. Oh, no, no. Uh, league leaders. So... Look at our boy, R.R. Martin, leading the league in assists. He's doing good. He's got fifth in points, too. Like I was saying, it, it pays to have a good point guard in basketball. That's been pretty true throughout throughout most of basketball history. Like What what great teams can you really remember that didn't have a great ball-handling playmaker? You, you could talk about like those Bulls and Heat teams that didn't necessarily have a point guard, but you had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, or you had LeBron James and Dwayne Wade that were bringing the ball up. So point guard might not necessarily be what I'm talking about, but but facilitating playmaker is always been necessary for success in the league. Okay. So we have Reed Jones, who's a rebounder. And then they want us to take on Jake Revis, who is another guy. Um, Are you taking on a $21 million contract? I was going to say, we need to shed some cap though. So like we're, we have to get down to 90 and how can we shed? So who's, who's going to, Awful contracts. Uh, so yeah, we're doing some money ball stuff right here. We're not paying too much to anybody too much. Except Gary Martin's got the the bag. Yeah, but Gary Martin deserves the bag. That's true. All right, you know what? We're gonna screw this trade. We're 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 too we're too deep. We have our we just need to rebound more. But I'll say, let's let is there a way to like change some some defensive focus to rebounding or something? <laughs> oh, you think the simulation's that in depth? You're just wrong. Look, man, I'm really trying to win us this this fake this, prize here. That's I'm trying to prove. I'm trying. I'm trying to play for some rebuilding of my ego after how poorly I I did predicting the the bracket this year. I need to show people that I still have some basketball intellect, whether it's as fake as possible or not. Robbie, it's simple. We just take Rob Chandler run to the ground so that he leaves. There it is. We do another week of simulation. We are eight and eight. Uh oh, nine and eight. Oh, there we go. Our we're cooking. improving rebounding, but we're also getting worse defensively. Hmm. We were we were a great defensive team. We were a top ten defensive team before, and now it looks like we've dropped to. I can't say if that see if that says tenth or eighteenth, but defensively, we are eighteenth. Yeah, we were like ninth last but, month. But we're a run and gun style offense. It's true. It's true, and we're still in the playoffs right now. Oh yeah, they have playing games too. I love that. All right. God. Let's go a month. Let's let's do some. Let's see All how right. we do, and we can stop at any point. Assess the big men situation. Sixteen eleven, nice. All right, we're cooking. Let's go. There you go. Yeah, now we're heating up a little bit. Twenty wins before fifteen losses. Ooh. Gary Martin's elite. Twelve above, fourteen above five hundred. Okay. 
All right, we are 31 and 19. Gary Martin's hurt. What? Oh, Gary well, Martin's out he's for, fine. for two weeks. He's fine. He had a triple double in the game beforehand, though. That's all we need. 34, 10, and 10. Dude is a certified stud. All right. See if our team wavers without our best player. So let's look at our team again. Our roster. Okay, Gary Martin's out a little bit. But you know what? We have Daniel Oswald's going to put up some more playing time for that next week. Our our white boy shooting machine. And Mar- Mark Weaver a little more. He's the fill-in point guard. That's right. So the nice thing about running a two-point guard system is one goes down, you still have your point guard. glitching oh there you go all right we're good not our basketball sim glitching on live podcast <laughs> uh, uh uh we're doing all right we're doing okay here we're, we're hanging around we're, we're gonna get gary martin back shortly we're all I good like we're in the western conference just because like i know we are obviously because denver but like we're, we're 10 games above 500 and we're only in fourth place you got San Francisco. They're just too good. Too freaking good. All right. Well, I'm going to sim until the playoffs because we're past the deadline at this point. Mm-hmm. So we're going to just ride it out. Well, Gary Martin's back. Let's go. We're improving on the boards. We're around 24th on the boards. 17-16 defensively. Points per game, though, we've been in the top 10 all year. We're, we're falling a little bit, but we were about to get Gary back, so we should be okay. We, we clinched, clinched the playoff spot. Let's go. We clinched a play-in spot. Oh. Now we clinch the playoffs. Let's go. And Vander Cooch is just killing it with 51 points. Did you see that? Yeah, the guy I tried to trade for, they refused to drop 51. I'm, I'm a, I have an eye for talent, Robbie. You do, you do. He saw it. We're gonna try and bring this dude in some at some point when his contract's up. Okay. So we're in the Western Conference. We are the fifth seed. We are playing Seattle, who, you know, not the Supersonics. They are the Symphony. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go back to where we're at and playoffs. All right, playoffs? We're talking about playoffs? So Dallas is now the seven seed. And, okay, so here's our rundown. Mexico City. We have San Francisco as the one seed. St. Louis is the two seed. That's it's incredible the small market teams in this. They're doing oh, it's, pretty it's, well. It's insatiable. Look at this. You, you barely see any big cities lying around. You got you got Vegas, you got Chicago, and you got New York, and that's 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 about it. You don't see Boston anywhere. Look at that. Mexico City got the eighth seed. Oh wow, yeah. Mexico City was the nine seed in the play-in. Works their way to the eight seed in the playoffs. The Cinderella story for the ages. Hopefully, hopefully they knock off San Fran for us. All right, here goes nothing. So you ready? We're going to play the first game. Oh, we freaking lost. Yeah, that's tough. You know, that happens, but it's okay. We're, we're good. We're good. No, can't blow a lead if you know. Oh, there we go. Gary Harris, 35-10, 16 assists. Well, oh, we lost one. one of our guys, though. He's he's down. Oh, he's recovered from an injury. Never mind. I lied. Out. See, so we're cooking, Robbie. Let's check our team, oh. though. Maybe we can make an update. I say, someone need to play. Do we need to be playing Gary Martin about 40, 48 minutes a game? Maybe I should not play Daniel Oswald in the ground. Not in the first round. 
Oh, Trey Phelps has moved himself into the starting lineup. I love it. That's awesome. We'll put it. That. See, that, that's another thing that can happen when you have, you know, five guys in a rotation, but one of them is there for a specific, you know, the, the example I'm going to give here is Duncan Robinson. You have a guy who is in the starting rotation for a very specific reason, and he starts to struggle with that very specific reason. You can't hesitate to take him out of the lineup. It's something that Heat struggled with in years past and not something Spolster struggled with this year. He, he's seen the struggles of Robinson and the Heat are like 13 and two with Max Struess in the starting lineup. It's, it's a great change you can make. While we may be savants when it comes to the GM, look at this profit we're netting for the season. I mean, look, I mean, we're playing, we're playing like two guys to play for us. Essentially, we're doing great. Robbie, we're hemorrhaging money. We're at negative twenty-eight million dollars. Oh, it's negative. I can't see the negative. <laughs> we're hemorrhaging money here. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Look, title and also title. We're, we're the Lakers. Title or bust. Title or bust. All right, let's go back to the playoffs. So one and one. You know, we're going Denver now, the mile high city. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And we cop another win. We're two and one. Can we get make it three one? We don't. Nope. All right. Yeah, we lost uh, 105.97. Tough one. I got faith in our boys. I oof. Come on, fellas. Come on. Get the good ganj. All right. Let's see if we can do it. Come on. Fork to game seven. Come on. We did it. Or game right. seven. This is what you live for. This is this is the pinnacle of sports here is game seven. Looks like we got two game sevens in the Western Conference and across across the, the NBA playoffs. Or I don't know if this is the NBA, I guess, but the basketball playoffs. This is the YMCA. This is <laughs> Oh my goodness. We should right. what was our rec league called in high school? We should just call it that. It was I mean SPA, I think was the name yeah. for it officially. All right. Ready? Make your break time. Let's see if we're going to game seven. Are we clutch? I think so. No, we Charged. lost. Oh. oh, my heart. Absolutely tragic. 109-100. We are out in the first round. We're going to sim the rest of the playoffs. Good, good first season. The Toronto Raccoons are the champions. <laughs> we got an all-NBA first team player in George R.R. Martin. <laughs> I'm going to only call him that. So Van, Vander Kucha snubbed from the first and second team. Oh, wow. I would. Sounds like he'll need a better contract then. I agree. Maybe, maybe he needs a new team. That's right. But uh, so that was our first league. What we'll do now, we'll, we'll do our little bit of off season, then prepare for, we'll have season two next time. If, as long as people don't hate this, but uh, let's go in the off season. Oh, we have the draft lottery. Love that. Oh, we have a message from our owner. This year, horrible. Overall, it's too early to judge you. Keep it up on the court, but I need more money. Okay. <laughs> Look, we we paid everybody as much as possible to to be a first-round exit playoff team. There's some work to be done. All right. You know what? Let's go to the draft lottery. We're not a part of it. Do we trade for the first pick? Do we get – do we – what's – Oh, let's see who the draft scouting is. Maybe we, this guy, I don't know his name. Let's see. It's uh, Sean Bowen. I kind of like him. He's got potential. He got 76 potential, 61 overall. You said, what, 675 is that threshold if you're like a superstar if you're better than that. So he'll, he'll probably get there. 
yeah. So we're going to see who gets the number one overall pick. And uh, maybe we try and trade for them, get Sean Bowen. Then we have our big three. Oh, they get the fourth pick. Yeah, wow. Oh, it's traded with Boston. I hate everything. All right. <laughs> no, you get to rip Boston off. True, true. All right. We take the first round pick. Proposed trade. What? Are you crazy? Please. Yeah. We'll make this deal work. I can't afford. <laughs> no. Designers, make it work. When they say uh, they can't afford to give that much, you just, you're done. Yeah. Um, so maybe not the first pick. You know what? No, I trust our team. We'll run it back next year. Let's go to our pick. Let's see who we got. All right, Robbie. So. Oh, it's got to be Bobby Schamberger, right? He's a 26 overall. Oh, he's terrible. Maybe not. I just saw that name, and I was like, that's excellent. I mean, I'm a big fan of the overseas players. Why not Dimitri Korolev? All right, Greg Popovich. Oh. Oh, Patrick Scott though he's got he's got one of the titles. He's a passer. Ooh, we already have a point guard though, and he'll be the point guard in training. All right, no, we're gonna go with Dimitri. We'll 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 trust. We gotta have proper role players here. We need a big man anyway. We'll draft Dimitri, and then we'll sim to our next pick. Who's who do we got left? Ah, no one looks good here. Who's Who's a good overall? We we have to, right? Have to. have to. Ogjen Jovanovic. All right. So we got our picks. We will end the draft. And now the fun part before next season, we gotta resign our players. Hey. Alright, who's up? Who's who's got a con okay. Okay. Gary Martin is up for a contract. We give him everything he wants. And everything more. he wants. Yep, you can have your five-year, $30 million contract per year. Yes, sir. So we are $11 million over the cap now, but we can still sign these players. Right. Well, you got to bring Phelps back. He's the guy that brought worked his way into the starting lineup. Well, three seasons, $2 million a year. I think that's a pretty good deal. I think that's reasonable. Yep. And then we have two spots left. Um, let me see the free agents. Let's we can only sign a vet minimum, though. That's the problem, because we're over the cap. Mm-hmm. So, let's look. Who do we got? Upcoming free agents. That's why. Um, eh, do we take a risk on a 35-year-old? Is he going to get much worse? Uh, uh, let's... I think 750k is the minimum. Is there anyone of note? Mm. He's Omar Doyle. You know, maybe Win Rogers, the only one I kind of see. But do we need any position right now? Let's look at our team. We got plenty of point guards. He's an actual superstar now. Nice. Guard forwards, forward centers. So please, man. And let's look at our free agents. We have a forward Alexi. He's cheap. 
he's cheap and he's actually better than most of the free agents available. We might want to bring him back. You know what? We're we're gonna we're gonna bring everyone back. We're gonna run it run it back, fellas. Run it back. Run it back. Run it back with our uh, foreign uh, draft pick. Yes, sir. All right, and that's where we're gonna lead off, or sorry, finish off. But um, first round exit, our first year, uh, we're hemorrhaging money. Our owner is definitely mad. But um, here's something new. You know, stay tuned for future installments. But uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna really. I watched Moneyball yesterday, so it feels kind of poetic that we we started doing this today. Um, I'm going to really try and change the game, I guess, or see if we can at least play it. But, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this, the revamped show a little bit. Again, we do apologize for the technical difficulties we went to, but we will be back in action at our regular, a a more or less regularly scheduled time here (laughs) moving forward. Um, We do hope that you enjoyed this episode. We thank you for sticking with us and tuning back in. Hope you have a fantastic week, and we'll be back with you all in about seven days. Let's talk to you then. Take care, everyone.